For the next three Sundays, I'll talk to you about the power of the sacrifice of praise. Because I got a lot to praise God for. I'm going to ask you to go with me. You can use your device, your phone, or your Bible, if you printed word, and on the screen. To the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, please. And it is, I don't know, uh, I'm going I'm to say this, and I may have to back it up with facts, but I don't know of a text that I preach more from than this text in all my ministry. I have been afforded the opportunity to preach in different countries in the world and different congregations. And this is the most preached passage, my most favorite to preach from. If I'm going to be at a service one time, most likely I'll preach on this subject. If I have more than one occasion, I'll preach other things because of the power that produces. It produces in our lives as believers. When we praise God. It'll be the book of Hebrews chapter number 13 verse number 15 and it reads, Therefore by Him, capital H, meaning Christ, therefore by Christ, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name, but do not forget to do good and share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Just ten seconds. Reach your hands this way. Say a prayer for me. It don't take long. Father, I thank you. Go ahead. Pray, pray that God will help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Father, I know we have places to go and things to do. But I do not know of anything more important than to sit at the feet of Jesus and have him speak into our lives beyond which he has already. Do it for all of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. I'm, I'm just going to get right into it. There, there are some, there are some uh, words here that I, I need to define so you can appreciate. I can appreciate what the passage says. Please, uh, it says, therefore by him, if you put the text back on the screen, please, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. The word sacrifice, j- just for you to understand Perhaps in the context of this, I know you probably know what it means. But the word sacrifice means destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. Sacrifice means to give up, to cost something. It implies you do it whether you feel like it or not. I I like sports. And in baseball, they have what's called a sacrifice fly. You know, when, when the batter hits the ball hard enough and far enough, but he knows he's going to be out because he may caught, but he gives the runner enough time to tag and run for the advancement of the game and the score. Uh, some of you, if you're like Valerie and I, when you bought your first home, buying your first home, you sacrifice for a down payment by denying yourself some stuff and save money. It might be that way with your car. It might be the way about your children going to college or school or something for your children. You sacrifice going out to eat or sacrifice uh, maybe buying uh, for you ladies a dress or, or you men an item of uh, sporting thing that you might like so you could provide something for someone else. Sacrifice. The word says sacrifice of praise. The word praise. What is Praise. I find for me the best functional definition for praise among many is the one rendered by Miles Monroe, who since last year is going to be with the Lord in an unfortunate plane crash in the Bahamas. Miles Monroe wrote a book entitled The Purpose and Power of Praise and Worship. And this is how he defines praise. And I'm sorry I didn't put it on the screen, but I'll tell you what praise means, among other things. To praise means to command, to approve, to give a favorable judgment, to glorify and esteem after hearing Joey played. It was natural for me to say, that is awesome. I leaned over to my wife and said, 
How does he do that? It seems like it came natural for Joey, but he sacrificed hours before he got to this level. He could have been out with the guys. He could have been in another sport. But for years, Joey has sacrificed to get to this place where he is commended. And so, having given you both those definitions, let me talk to you about how all this works together because these words fit together. Worship, praise, and sacrifice. They they all run together. And I will say in, in the introductory remarks that when the word worship is mentioned to someone, as I am doing here to you this morning or afternoon, uh, when it's mentioned to someone, based on their perception, their response can be different than yours. To most people, the idea of worship is something that happens on a Sunday morning in a building somewhere called a church. For some people, the conditions have to be just right in order for them to worship. Because of how they define worship. Too often, people don't enjoy worship unless things are just right. Thus, we worshipers, we worshipers, are good at finding all kinds of reasons to avoid church. Or avoid worship. And uh, I didn't come with the intent to, to be unkind. I just came with the intent to be transparent. I am amazed as a pastor on occasions when I think I've seen it all and heard it all. How fickle Christians can be and Pentecostals can be and people who claim to love Jesus when it comes to their worship. How if it's not just their right song, their just right tone, their right singer, the right volume, the right lights, the right whatever, they all get tied up in knots. When it's never about them. Worship is not about us. Because if we don't, the rocks and the hills. For you got up this morning, the stars were, oh, I feel a, we're singing. When you went to bed, the moon wasn't saying, I think I'll light up your house. It was praising God. When you, before the sun rose, the birds got up and they were singing unto the Lord. It's never about us. It involves us. But some people come to church like I done paid my ticket Thrill me if you can. The older I get, the less tolerant I get about people who should already know better about worshiping God. And so what we have is, if the atmosphere is not right, we just look for a reason not to go. Try doing that in the world system, at your job or your sporting event that you like. Let's just imagine, not the church, but the world. Here's the reasons why, this is an illustration, the reasons why I'm giving up sports. I'm giving up football in the fall and baseball in the summer and basketball in the winter. I've had it all. I quit attending sports once and for all, and here are 11 excuses why I quit sports. Number one, every time I went, they asked for money. I do not know that I've been to a sporting event unless somebody gave me a free ticket, but it cost them. So they say to the church, every time I go, they ask for money. Well, how in the confounded blazes do you think we pay the light bill? Just a thought. How do you think we pay for the grass to get cut and the church to be clean and for the ministry to take place? And for, Well, I, I'm giving up sports, number two, because the people I sat next to didn't seem friendly. I'm giving sports because the seats are too hard and they're not comfortable at all. I'm giving up sports because I went to too many games, but the coach never came to call on me. He didn't even shake my hand. I'm giving up sports because the referees made decisions that I couldn't agree with. 
not giving my tithes and offerings because I don't like the way he does it. I'm giving up sports because the game went overtime and I was late getting home. I'm giving up sports because the band played numbers I never heard before and it wasn't my style of music. You know, I'm just like sickum to a... Uh, okay, I'm giving up sports because the game always seems scheduled when I want to do other things. I, I, I'm giving up sports because I suspect I was sitting next to some hypocrites. They came to see their friends and they talked during the whole game. Number ten, I'm giving up sports because it, it, it was taken, taken too long. Uh, uh, in other words, I'm giving up sports because when I was a child growing up, my parents took me to too many games. I've heard some lame excuses. But I just quit church when I turned 18 because my mom and daddy took me to too many church. Boy, I tell you, folks, you need to all pray for me because I'm too small to frame a man and got too big a mouth to go slapping people. But I have... I'm giving up sports because I hate to wait in the traffic jam in the parking lot after the game. You know where I'm going with it. I, I hear some of the dumbest reasons. And the reason you're giving up is because you don't love Jesus like you say you love Jesus. When you come to this house or any house, you are not supposed to come there because of the preacher. You're not supposed to come there because of your favorite music or your favorite chair or your favorite parking lot or whether we go overtime or undertime or ask you for an offering or not. You and I are supposed to come to the house of God to worship God because of J-E-S-U-S Jesus. Somebody give Jesus a clap. One day I'm going to die and go to heaven. One day your favorite singer is going to die and go to heaven. One day you are going to die and I hope you go to heaven. And all you need to understand is heaven is the place where you perform. Down here is where you rehearse your praise and your worship to God. If you don't like clapping and you don't like singing and you don't like the guitar and the trumpet and the flute and the saxophone and the horn and the organ and the piano, then you won't like heaven because heaven is going to be filled and replete with instruments and people and choirs and groups all the time praising God. Somebody help me praise the Lord. Now the Bible says that worship and praise is something that comes out of our heart and our lips and our life and not just the right conditions around us. Can I get an amen? And the Bible teaches that it comes both from our lips and from our life. Let me hurriedly now tell you three major thoughts to teach to you this morning about the sacrifice of praise. Number one, we have a responsibility to praise God. And our text says in verse number 15, Hebrews 13, Therefore by Him, everybody say by Him. We have to praise God. There's a way to praise Him correctly. And there's a way to praise that is incorrect. Can I get another amen? When we praise God in or out of church, in Sunday or Monday or in our car, in our shower or at the doctor's office or whatever, whether we feel like it or not, the Bible says the correct way to praise God is praise God through Jesus Christ. Praise God for Jesus Christ. Can, can I, by Him, oh, somebody help me here. Any praise, take this down, that does not flow toward the Lord Jesus Christ is false praise. Can I get an amen? I don't mind you saying good sermon, pastor, it encourages me. I don't mind you saying good music, Joey, it encourages him. I don't mind you saying good playing and good music, man, it encourages them. But the three of us, Joey, me, the band, have to understand that it's God who gets the glory. And you understand it's from God that we get the ability to bring the Word of God. Any praise that draws attention to self alone is incorrect praise. It's all right to praise people and say you did a good job. 
You did a good job. You played a good number. You sang a good song. You taught a good lesson. You did a good job you, in the restaurant. You praise and you bless your, your waiter or waitress because you give them a tip. It's good, it's good to commend people. It's good to praise your children. Can I get an amen? It's good to build people up and too many people are being talked down to and, and being criticized. So, so it's good to praise in a proper way. But when you come to the house of God, you don't praise Him because of the pastor is so wonderful or because the choir is so wonderful or because you have of your right setting, you praise God by, you praise Him by Him because Allah didn't die for you and Muhammad didn't die for you and Buddha didn't die for you and Hare Krishna didn't die for you. And I want to tell you the blood of Jesus Christ is the only blood that cleanses from sins. So you praise by Him. That's the correct way. Secondly, the, 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 the second responsibility to praise is not only praising correctly, but you praise Him consciously. Consciously. Praise does not just happen. You don't just praise on accident. Or you can get an overflowing praise and think, wow. But true, sincere praise comes consciously. Consciously. I want to praise Him. And I hear people, oh, we get criticized and people judge everything, you know. So we got, we got all kinds of denominational versions of what praise is and what praise shouldn't be. Okay? And some people say, oh, well, I never like for them to tell me to raise my hands. I want to do it on my own. You ever seen some people? They never do it on their own. They don't even praise with their pinky up on their own. And they get mad at the rest of us for saying to them, join us in raising your hands and praising God. There's some things that I know we can do on our own, and some of you are so full and so anointed and so overflowing until you don't have to have somebody to tell you raise your hand or praise God or clap your hands. But there are times when the rest of us, because we don't, that's why it's called sacrifice. Give me some volume right here. Turn on some light. I'm fixing to blow up this house. Sacrifice. Okay? Sacrifice. So we come with all our fickle attitudes. Well, I wish they wouldn't sing it another time. I wish they wouldn't have a stand up so long. Well, sit down, bless God. We got a chair, but praise Him anyhow. Okay? I mean, I mean, we may sing it another time, but if you don't want to sing it, just go ahead and be quiet. Let the rest of us sing it. We ain't even got you in mind when we're singing. We got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost in mind. And if the ball game can go over time, and the show can go over time, thank God we can go over time praising God. I wish somebody give Him a Hallelujah. Consciously praise Him. The choir didn't just pop up this morning, get up and started singing. They rehearsed. I didn't just show up here and get up this morning and say, wonder what I'm going to preach. There have been times I felt like that. But I've been rehearsing. Consciously. I've consciously planned to bless you out. I mean to bless you, pardon me. Sometimes you don't feel like it. You don't feel like it. I don't know if you've ever laid in the hospital bed and count the ceiling tiles with tubes running in and out of you. And you got a mask over your face with oxygen. And you don't know whether the, the, whether the biopsy is going to come back malignant or non-malignant. And there you are with, with a devil sitting on one shoulder saying, this is running in your family and it's going to kill you. And the Holy Ghost saying, praise me in hell. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I wish somebody would shout hallelujah. You gotta make up your, whether you are in ICU, or whether you are in the Taj Mahal, whether you are in an ambulance, or you are in a Cadillac, on your way to your favorite place to eat, praise God anyhow, and do it consciously. Third point. Here's our responsibility to praise God correctly, consciously, and continually. Let us offer, ice, offer the sacrifice of praise to the Lord continually. That don't mean that every time you're going to run 90 miles an hour, running all over the church, shouting, yelling, whoop, glory. No. You don't have to have the same pitch and same volume and same intensity for it to be sincere. You can be walking down the road, doing your evening walk. Praise your Lord. Sit in the car, praise your Lord. You can praise silently. Continually. Many Christians do a perfect, maybe a beautiful job praising God at church. How do you do at home? 
You just cleaned up that place that the kids now came back and, un- and threw out all their toys. Are you praising them? You just got their report card. And they thought F meant fantastic. Are you praising them? Huh? You just got a notice from the IRS and they ain't inviting you to dinner. You know what I'm saying? Continually. Because you're going to get tried for your praising. You're going to get some tests. Anybody can praise God when a man playing a flute like that, a choir singing like that, and a preacher bald head and short preaching as good as I am. Sometimes I just have to help myself. Continually. It's an everyday thing. Put it on the screen. Look at this reference. Psalm 34, 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall what? I didn't hear you. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Everybody read this out loud with me, the third verse. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Put the next verse. I'm talking about continually praising God. Psalm 70 and 4. Everybody out loud read it. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. I like it. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. The fastest way to get the hounds of hell off your heel, the fastest way to get the demons off of you is to praise God whether you feel like it or not. Let God arise. You don't have to have a choir. You don't have to have a band. You don't have to have a preacher. You just have to have Jesus. Jesus in the morning. Jesus at lunchtime. Jesus at dinner time. Jesus at breakfast. Me and Jesus is all I need to have a choir to help me praise God. Somebody put your hands together. Give me the next scripture. Luke 24 and 53 talks about the saints and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Every time they came to church, where I grew up, some Sundays we didn't have no piano player in Trinidad. And because our piano player was an itinerant preacher. We had an upright piano. I don't even think the thing was in tune, but we didn't give a flip. Sometimes we just had a tambourine. Sometimes we just had a guitar player that wasn't always in tune. But it wasn't about the piano player, guitar player, or the tambourine. Oh, when we got together, some sister over yonder starts singing, When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be. When we all, and the rest of the folks will jump in. Next thing you know, the guitar will find us. If a tambourine, and you know how to have a tambourine to look hard to find us. Oh, let me, let me tell you something. If you've been where I've been, if you've been in the darkness I've been, two years ago I didn't have this testimony, but I got it now. And, oh my God, if you've ever been, and I mean, you pardon the vernacular, but I think you'd understand, if you've ever been to hell and back, where the devil told you you're finished, you're going to die, you might as well kill yourself. And God picked you up at the midnight hour when your wife is sleeping and you can't sleep and the demons are around. But you put an earbud in your ear and you put a CD on and it has psalms in it and songs in it. And pretty soon, resurrection power rises up in your soul and you once thought you are going to die. You once thought you are never going to preach another sermon. But if you saw where God brought me from to where I am today, then you'll know the reason why I'm going to praise God whether you praise God or not. I'll praise Him anyhow. Somebody help me praise Him just because you want to do it. Oh yeah. You've been handed divorce papers. You thought everything was alright in your marriage. You thought it was working good and you found out He found somebody else. And all the hell breaks loose. And the devil said, this is what you get for serving God. 
But you praise God and raise the children as a single mom, had two jobs, cooked food, and got you an education in the process, and now your kids are serving God. If you've ever been there and been back, you'll know why they're praising God. If you've ever had them told you that it's malignant and it's inoperable and you got six months to live, but you went down to a prayer line of a Pentecostal meeting and they took some oil and anointed you and prayed over you and you went back six weeks later and the doctor says, I think it's shrinking. And you went back three months later and the doctor says, I think it's a little smaller than a ping pong ball. And he went six months later and the doctor says, what cancer are you talking about? Then you don't mind somebody getting out in the aisle and running down by down the front of the church praising God. Because if you've ever been to death's door and back, you don't have to be begged to praise God. Yeah, some of you, if we knew your story, you snorted it, you injected it. You drank it, and you should have been dead. You should have been dead. Your friends left you to die. Because they figured if they found out, the Lord found out that you got it from them, they'd be in jail. So they left you to die. But Jesus found you. I said Jesus found you on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. They, the world had beat you up. You'd beat your own self up. You tried and messed up. You tried everything and you ruined your own life. And the, even the priests walked around you on the road. Because they figure whoever robbed you and took your joy is waiting to take theirs. But there came along a man who's known as the Good Samaritan. His name is not, his name, it wasn't Jesus, but your good Samaritan is Jesus. And he took you up when nobody would have you, brushed you off, took some linen and poured some oil in your wounds and and bandaged your wounds and put you on his animal, took you to a nearby hotel and says, I'll cover the bill if he stays one night, if he stays three nights, make sure he gets his meals, make sure he's good. And when I come back, I'll cover it again. Two thousand. Thousand years ago, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And therefore, I want you to know what nobody could have done for me, Jesus did. And that's why continually I will praise Him. What's the next verse? In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I haven't ever told this in public before, but I'll tell it now. I was dating a young lady from Greenville, South Carolina. And I thought she was going to be the one. I even brought her to Atlanta, Georgia to hear Jimmy Swaggart preach. And I met up with this girl who was a pen pal of my sister. Because I'd known Valerie since we were both 12 years old, but this was probably about when I was 18. And uh, you know, we were different worlds. This girl decided to end it for another guy whose name was Alan. What an idiot. Well, I, mean, I was blessed, but I mean, two hours. And I was wounded because my affections and emotions were growing. And on the next day that that happened, The Lord took me to that scripture. I'll never forget. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let it go, Alan. This was not the one for you. One year later. Stand up, first lady. I know you I know you didn't come. Take my arm right here. I Valerie is very reserved and so Joey, one of us going to pay for this. <laughs> long, blonde hair. Very long. Oh, my goodness. Eyes have not seen. Ears. I don't even remember the other girl's name. I, I, think, I think it was. You, do. <laughs> you go sit down now, honey. Thank you. It's been 36 years. I just thank God he didn't answer some of the prayers I prayed. So, 
If you think you lost your Prince Charming, if you'd have kissed him, he'd have turned into a frog. Let him go. Oh, I got some thing I want to say, but I better, you know. You thought this would be the best job because it got the best pay. And the Lord says, in everything, give thanks. I got something better for you. I may not get this whole sermon done. But don't curse God and backslide and sin because you didn't get your way. If you're sold out to Christ, if he closes one door, splits up one relationship, takes, he'll open a better door and send you something better. I just, I just got a spirit of silly all over me. Some of them people you all thought you were loving, that you really going to marry, they're, they're running them circus shows, them pop-up shows all over the country, ain't got no teeth, and they got no place to live. I hope none of my visitors with us today. Uh, I just have a little fun, okay? But my, my daughters and I used to go to the, the county fair, and she never went, because we wanted to laugh at the people who ran the fair. But there was a time they had all their teeth and all their hair and they looked really nice. And you thought you should marry them. God spared you. But come to look at some of y'all, I think God spared him. And now we'll move right home. Give me, give me the next point, the next major point. Give thanks. I'm trying to tell you, give thanks. Let's go. Next, another slide. I know, rejoice. Give me that next slide. There's a requirement for praising God. Here, number one, put it up there. The fruit of our lips. Put the next one up there. I'm going to tie them all together. The fruit of our lives. And here's a third one. The fruit of our livelihoods. The Bible says in, in our text, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips. It means that if you are going to praise God, you have to at times vocalize it. Make it audio. Can I, get, can I get an amen? Well, I'm just, I don't speak out my praise. I don't raise my hands. And, and I know not everybody has to be a wild Indian. I've heard people say, as a worshiper, <coughs> I'm still and I'm deep. And so is the graveyard. Isn't that good, Sammy? When they put you there six feet, you will be still and you will be deep. But right now, while you're alive, how about letting the fruits of your lips say, thank you, Jesus. You woke me up this morning. One of my dear friends and a dear friend of your dad, Debbie, Debbie Rickett, your dad introduced me to Gary Horton, 30 Years ago, Gary was in church last Sunday. I did his father's funeral a few years ago. His mother and father ministers. Last night, Gary died of a massive heart attack. And I tell you that to say to you that Gary is with the Lord, but you're still among us. Praise God. Sometimes you, you have to use your lips. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. The Bible says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That sounds like my lips. Can I get an amen? The Bible says, sing unto the Lord a new song. That sounds like my lips. If I want Valerie to bring me some coffee, I use my lips. Uh-oh, isn't this preacher profound? And I ain't even got my doctor yet. Telling me I don't have to use your lives and your livelihood. The Bible says in the next verse, and I'm hurrying, in verse 16, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. You see, Jesus said, and the scripture says, if you see your brother or sister in need or somebody in need and you say, God bless you and hope you get better, hope you feel better, hope you get clothes and you have a car and whatever, and you have the capacity to bless them and you don't, you've not obeyed God. You have not helped them. But the fruit of our lives says, says, not only will I praise God, but I'll give my tithes and offerings because it's the fruit of my life. 
I bring my tithes and offerings to the Lord. Out of my livelihood, I give the tithes and offerings because I know God gave me the hands to work, the mind to work, the job. God has given me the income. I've got bills, but God, God is my source. God is my source. God is my source. Now, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Baptist or if you're Church of God or if you're Presbyterian or you're Methodist. If you're using the Bible that, that is inspired by the Holy Ghost, it speaks about giving unto God and that God blesses a generous giver. And the fruit of worship is not just about our lips and a clapping of our hands and showing up in a chair on Sunday. Worship is saying that I will give my tithe and offerings and I will also give above that so that the naked can have clothes, the orphan can have a place to live. The, the, the people who are, are, are poor can have something that they need. We can help build a Habitat for Humanity house, which we've done before. We can send missionaries. We can build Bible schools. We can help a, a, a young lady who is, a, who is pregnant outside of marriage. And we wanted to save that baby. So we give to help make sure she has medical care. It's the fruit of our lives. You gotta be careful this day who you give to and where you give to because they're signs. People make it a profession to stand at an intersection with a sign that says something that need help. On yesterday, Valerie said, shared this with me and I didn't ask her permission to, to share it this morning, but I don't think it'll do any damage except to show you the point here and it won't do damage to do that. She, I was away and she went to pick up a sandwich, I think, from Chick-fil-A. And she saw a family of four, two children in a, in a, it's a baby, strollers, two children in strollers and two adults with a sign that says, help our family, we need something to that effect. Sir, she went on to get her sandwich and because there's so many. And, and here in the church, we, and Pastor Jeff will tell you, we have, to, we have to screen everything, every request, because people have made a profession out of lying and deceiving. Standing with a sign. At a particular corner, you follow them with a camera and they get in a Mercedes and drive. I've seen it. I've seen it on document. Okay? So, so sometimes those really in need don't get anything because those who are not abuse it. So Valerie felt that, uh, that the Lord would have her go back and, uh, and give to this family. She moved by the Spirit. And she gave what I considered a generous gift. And she said, I have two conditions in giving this to you. Number one, you don't use it to purchase alcohol and you don't use it to purchase cigarettes. And both of which, the both adults says, God's looking at us. Ma'am, we're not going to do that. Thank you very much. Now, every once in a while, you got to risk. You got to go ahead and give and risk. Knowing that they may buy alcohol and they may do drugs. You don't have to give everybody you see, and I don't. But if the spirit, how many of you know the devil won't move on you to give? Huh? But if the spirit moves on you, I don't mean just people under. There's sometimes some, a brother or sister in the church that you know about their situation. And you know about maybe they're going through a hard time. Okay? Don't give them your tithe. Pastor will understand. No, I don't! Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that they meet in the house. The bill's paid. Boy, that amazes me sometimes. I have people tell me I'm going to split my tithe over with this one and my grandson and others. You are not tithing. 10% is the Lord's. And if you can't start with 10, start with 5, but start somewhere. But the Lord will say, even after you tithe and give, so and so, just slip them a little something. Valerie, tell me about a lady who gave her last uh, a little bit of money to purchase a book to come to Bible study. She needed that money, and she, she felt like God would have her buy a book. And by the time she got to the parking lot after that Monday night, somebody gave her the money for the book and extra because the Lord told them to give her that money. Clap your hands and thank God. G- give, me the next, give me the next bullet. The next bullet, please. The, next, the results of our praise. Put them all up here. Come, come praise team. Come band. Come music. Come musicians. Here's the results of our praise. When we start praising God... We get our eyes off of the circumstances. Can I get an amen? I need, I need to tell you this. Israel, and more particularly the tribe of Judah, was in a terrible way of a need of a miracle. Jehoshaphat was the king. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, 
They had settled into the land God said would be theirs. But the remaining nations that were not yet conquered, that were pagan nations, decided to form an, uh, a, a group of nations, allied nations, I guess, to come against Judah and Jehoshaphat. There were the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Edomites. And they decided we're going to take back our houses. We're going to take back our farms. We're going to take back our wells. We're going to take back our everything, livestock. We're going to kill every Jew. The Bible said there were so many messengers came to King Jehoshaphat and said they're so numerous. They're like a swarm of locusts. Like the sand of the sea. And they got fire in their eyes. And they got weapons of destruction. And for them, they were trained warriors. They had metal weapons. And for these Jehoshaphat and the tribe of Judah, they were farmers and agricultural people. They just got through wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, you remember. And Jehoshaphat called a fast. He got his eyes on the circumstances and he called a fast. And I want to tell you something about America. If any nation needs to call a fast, it's this nation and it needs to happen soon. Because the government can't help us, the military can't help us, the Supreme Court can't help us, and the, and the actors in Hollywood can't help us, and the football, basketball players. There are even some preachers who can't help us. There are some preachers who need to get saved. My name is Alan. You tell them I said it. Jehoshaphat called the fast. And he said, God... I'm just trying to abbreviate it when you get time to read it. We don't have enough might against these, these people. There are too many of them. We have no might against this great company. They outnumber us 20 to 1. We don't have the horses. We don't have the chariots. We don't have the spears. We don't have the javelins. We don't have the shields. They are going to obliterate us like ISIS is doing Christians. And we need to call a fast. You look at me and listen to me. Every one of us this week should pray that God would thwart the plans of ISIS, that their missiles will not fire, that their computers will not work, that God will turn their heart, they'll repent, that God will mess up their plans and get them born again or get them obliterated. And I'm not talking politics. I'm just telling you the gospel truth because it seems like everybody else can get away, get help when they're persecuted except Christians. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, it was such a state of affairs as the Christians are facing now in the Middle East as Jehoshaphat and the tribe of Judah faced obliteration. But after they fasted and prayed, God raised up Jehazel. Jehazel said, you fasted and prayed and you saw your circumstances bigger than you. And now God told me to tell you, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I, I don't know what your, where your divorce is, or if you're in, but the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. I don't know where your health is, but the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. I don't know what your children may be doing and who they're hanging with, and your heart is broken, but the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. I wish somebody would say amen. I don't know how long your company is going to stay in a business and you're going to get a paycheck, but the it's not yours. It's the Lord. I don't know how long you're going to have to be on that medication, but there is coming a day when the battle will be won. It's not yours. Stand up, somebody. Stand up in this house and clap your hands because the battle is not yours. It's the Lord. How are we going to win this battle? How are we going to win it? Go down to the valley of Tekoa and let the choir praise God. I ain't going to have time to tell you. Let's just let the choir. All I want you to do is about, let's say this. Let's say there's 100,000. No, that's too much. Let's say there's 50,000 fighting men from the tribe of Judah probably facing 200,000 of the other enemies. And I said 20 to 1 a while ago, and that may be population. So let, me, let me make sure I get it right. That's a more fairer and more accurate assumption and numbering. 50,000 against 200,000. 
And here's what you do. You send the choir and the praise team and the band. And you put them in the middle of the valley. And when you hear the hoofbeats of the Ammonites and Moabites and Edomites, and things were so bad, even the termites came out after them. How many of you have ever had a bad day like that? Termites. When you hear their hoofbeats, when you hear their metals clanging, when you hear their voices roaring, they're coming to stampede you. Just stand still and say, Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. That's it. That's all you can do. That's it. Praise the Lord. Everybody say it with me three times. Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. Raise up your hands. Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth. This time louder. Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. Listen, listen, listen. When they did, it confused the enemy. It made 50,000 sound like 5 million. They got so confused, they started killing each other. They killed each other and all the Israelites and the Judah people were saying, Praise the Lord. The more they saw them killing themselves, they said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Even the the scaredy ones got to praising God. Can I get an amen? Do you know if you start praising God, some of the scaredy folks will start praising with you? And next pretty soon, two is stronger than one? Yeah. The next thing you know, it took them three days. Three days to get all the gold, all the silver, all the spoils. They had a heyday. And all they did was to get their eyes off of their circumstances, get God's eyes on their circumstances, and nothing chases the devil more than when you sacrifice a praise. Give another hand clap. Help us praise him. Go ahead, start singing. I don't know where this is going, but it ain't going to end quiet. Put your hands together. Let's go. Wanna clap a little louder than before? Get your dance ready. Get your praise ready. I wanna sing a little higher than before. I wanna jump a little higher than before. Somebody get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I wanna shout a little louder than before. Sing
screen. Put Psalm 100 on the screen for me. I, I, I got to give you a little more liberty here. Woo! Everybody, read out loud with me. This is what the Bible says to do. Here we go. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Here we go. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. Say it again. For the Lord is good. One more time. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth in yours, God, now sing, now dance, now sing. Go ahead. <laughs> 